yeah, apparently neither one of us know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> All right. So, uh, hey, gang. It is, uh, it is Tuesday, November 8th. It is, uh, it is election day in the U.S., uh, uh, it is, it is, uh, it is a little stressful, but we're, I, I promise we're not going to talk about it too much. We have to touch on it. I mean, it's a big deal, right? If, if we were doing the show in, you know, England and it was during the Brexit, we would talk about that, right? A little bit. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I think by using the term touch upon it, I think that has a different connotation in the age of Trump. So <laughs> what? <laughs> That's right. We're going to grab this election by the... <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is uh it is on taking pictures. It is uh Tuesday, November 8th. It is episode 237. It is Bill in Brooklyn. It is Jeffrey in Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh Bill, you got up wicked early today. And uh what'd you do? But woke up at uh, 5.30 and uh, got to my polling place at 5.55, and I voted at 6 a.m. Nice. And it was exciting, and I cried a little, and then uh, before I got my ballot, but after I uh, got to the polling place. I was just, I don't right. know, I was, I was inspired by the people around me doing their civic duty. It's, uh, it's kind of a neat thing, and, and apparently the turnout has been spectacular so far. We we voted a week ago in early voting and at the polling place we were at, they said that they were expecting this was about this was about six o'clock at night. They said they were expecting four hundred for the day. They were already at eighteen hundred with a line up the stairs and out the door. The thing is is that they always say that turnout is super high this year and then in the end it ends up being within a couple percentage points of every other year. Yeah. You know, so I well, I guess we'll see tonight what the numbers actually say. Yeah. I mean, apparently Florida has had more early voting turnouts than they had in 2000 total. You know what really kind of makes me sad is uh, Russert's not here. Yeah. I used yeah, to like the little commentary. whiteboard and him going, yeah. if you add up Nevada and Illinois, right. and, you know, <laughs> that comes to 46. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's actually doing the math, you know? Yeah. Instead, you've got the, the giant CNN screen or whatever. Exactly. Or Tapping screen. things on and off. And that's not nearly right. as right. fun. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So if you live in America, go go vote. Yes. Uh, so uh, Bill and I were talking a little bit before. We had a little uh, a snafu. Bill Bill will, will share his, his Sierra story <laughs> in a second. But I had a little plumbing thing. And... It was funny because I, 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 it reminded me of my dad. And I've been thinking about my dad because the fourth was the anniversary of when he died. Right. So I've been thinking about him anyway. But the, uh, it turns out it was like a, a flush valve inside the, the toilet. And it got me thinking about his, his advice to me sometimes, these little pearls growing up. And, and one of them was I used to drive some old cars uh, I, I had uh, a 61 Galaxy, Ford Galaxy, four-door, which was just dust boat. I mean, the thing was just giant, right? Uh, I had a 61 VW, and and I had a 74 uh, BMW 2002. Mm. It's all all car. cars pre-emissions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, smoke them if you got them. That's that's what it was. Um, so and my my dad, whenever you know, because I'm not a huge car person. I'm I'm. You're a little car person. No, I'm, I'm a little kidding. car. Yeah, I uh, you know I I don't I don't have that gift that my dad did. Uh, but he would always tell me, you know, start start simple. Start you know whenever something breaks, whatever it is, or when something's not going the way you think it should. Start with the obvious things because those are the things that you miss. And it was like, you know, with the cars, it was, are you getting spark? Are you getting fuel? And if you are, then move on to the next thing. But sometimes it's as simple as, oh, okay, spark plugs are fouled or whatever sure. it is, or yeah. the points are bad, or, you know, the fuel pump isn't, isn't, is clogged, a little fuel filter. Cause those, the, especially my, my, the BMW and the little the, co- coffee filter like ones, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd have to carry a few of those in your toolbox because if they, if they, if they did get, you know, crudded up, then you get this little vapor lock and, you know, fuel doesn't get, and, and it's as simple as that. You pop this little 39 cent thing off, pop a new one on, start it up and, you know, away you go. Yeah. But it's, it's the way this kind of relates. And, and you and I touched on this a little bit, the way this kind of relates to photography is, is, We've all been out on on a shoot or, you know, I'm, I'm not a pro, so I'm not out on shoots, but I'm out shooting and you've all taken a photo with a lens cap on or or, you know, had the wrong settings. You 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 were shooting last night at thirty two hundred and now it's broad daylight and you're wondering why the hell is everything blown out? You know, so is, is there a perpendicular lesson to this, too? Uh, of, how do you mean uh, that 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 it's not about what you do? It's about how you think about it. You know, maybe, yeah. That, that that you know, troubleshooting is a mindset and a and a process mm-hmm. more than it is skill. You know, it's it's being able to say it's not about having great hands to be a fantastic mechanic. A lot of times, it's about just understanding the system and knowing where the points are and knowing how to follow it up the mm-hmm. chain to figure out mm-hmm. what the problem is. Um, same thing with computers, same things with, you know, any, anything else. Uh, yeah. And, and I'm not, it's weird. I try to be wired that way, but I'm, I'm typically, it depends on, on the things like with code. I love and hate as you and I have spent <laughs> many, many hours talking about chasing down that one yeah. semicolon that should have been a colon. But it's or, so satisfying when it works, right? It's so satisfying. Where you're like, you do you do that fist in the air. You're like, yes, you know, yeah. you do those things when it works, don't you? I did that last, uh, this weekend with uh, my friend Claude's, oh God, my friend Claude uh, built a Hackintosh years and years ago. I helped him build it and uh, his motherboard died and you can't buy old motherboards very easily. So he got one that was compatible. Which is was weird, slightly, right? I know. You think I mean, we've talked about that. You, you can buy old camera lenses. Yes, you can buy old camera lenses at 7-Eleven for God's sake. But there actually might be a good find... market in that. Going, right. b- b- Buying a bunch of motherboards of a certain common socket, keeping them in a warehouse and having oldmotherboards.com and selling them for a good price. Why not? I mean, you, you know, you buy these things when they're new, they're 99 bucks. And if you can find one used on eBay, they're 300. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, Claude got this slightly older motherboard that was still compatible with the CPU. The problem was it used an old BIOS, but to do the the uh, Hackintosh stuff easier, you kind of want this UEFI 
uh, uh, system and you can update it, but you had to install Windows in order to update it, but I didn't have a Windows disk. And you know, you get in these sort of circular things where I'm like, oh, I'm getting stuck there. There's a door I can't right. get through. Okay, maybe I can right, go around right. it by doing whatever it is. And it ended up working by uh, putting FreeDOS, using a Windows machine to create a Windows boot disk using free DOS and then putting it on there and running but it. You from still a had to line. have the windows machine. That's the bummer. Yes. In the end, I ended up having to do it from windows machine. It's really hard to make a windows bootable disc from Mac. Right. I tried 27 different ways to do it, including terminal commands, a DD terminal command, which never seemed mm-hmm, to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, whatever. People don't care about that. The point is, is that once I got it where it just rebooted and, and I put in the old SSD and just right up to the desktop, I was like, F yeah. 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 Suck yeah. it, computer. I beat yeah. you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I love that. I, I, yeah. I watched The Martian. I called you when I, or texted you rather, when I, when I finished it. There was that yeah. one line where he's like, looks like we're going to have to science it out of this, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it yeah, was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. you're like, yeah, okay, do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, 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 and th- I mean, that movie, that movie and that book were essentially made for me. <laughs> I, I just, I want to read the book because I'll tell you, it, the 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 movie i thought matt damon was great i thought the supporting cast was great i would right. like to have seen more of them the glover kid uh, was really good uh, yeah he was great what's his first uh, name donald glover donald i think it is donald glover but from, he has no from, relation uh, to danny glover by the way from community yeah the like good looking black guy with the cool hair who yeah. played the yeah yeah that guy he's he's um, great in it. It was a terrific cast. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, fantastic cast, but it it fell into the trap of of several of Ridley's later movies where it's a ton of exposition until the third act and then the ending feels tacked on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I got you there. I I like exposition. I you know, I went to see the uh this is what's wrong with me. I went to see Doctor Strange this weekend with some friends for a friend's birthday. And I knew you were a closet Cumberbatch person. Oh, fan. I, well, I am. I'm a fan what, of what, Cumberbatch cum, in Cumberbitches. Isn't that what they call them? They, they still call, call them. That? I think they uh, still call them. I, I am a fan of his. Uh, I like him. I think he's great. I think he's great in Sherlock. I think he's okay in other stuff that I've seen. I thought in. he was fantastic in the imitation game. Uh, yeah, but I, I've read a lot of books on Turing and that whole subject and they get a lot of facts wrong and that bothers me. So I can't stand that movie. Hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, but he was, he was pretty good in this, but I'm watching the whole thing, you know, he's like this surgeon and then he gets hurt and then he's, you know, trying to re you know, find mystical, whatever it is. And all that sort of origin story exposition stuff to me is far more interesting than a bunch of guys running around and hitting each other at the end. <laughs> you know, like I could have right. walked out halfway through that movie and been like, okay, I got everything I want out of that movie. Guess what's going to happen. He's going to fight that guy and eventually he's going to win. You know, right. like how was me- Tilda Swinton? She's been getting a lot of grief over playing the ancient one or her casting as the ancient one. How was she? Uh, yeah. uh, she was good. I mean, she played the role very well. Um, I have mixed feelings about that kind of that kind of thinking. You know, it's just like was you know. she supposed to be Asian, Chinese, Tibetan, or was it sort of I, beyond ethnicity? Well, she was also supposed to be beyond gender, I do believe, in some hmm. ways. But they do sort of discuss her as a woman. Hmm. I, I mean, look, she's a weird-looking person anyway. Like, she's very striking. She's kind of awesome. I, yeah. I, I think and, she's kind of amazing. And, you know, you take her hair off, and now she just looks like a bald, weird-looking person. So I, I think it was fine. Could you have gotten a less famous person that, 
would have acted it just as well or better? Of course you could have, you know, but unfortunately movies are based on star power. So blah, blah, blah. You what, know. what bothers you more if you even have an opinion? Casting her as the ancient one or casting Scarlett Johansson in Ghost in the Shell? Oh, <laughs> uh, probably Scarlett Johansson bothers me more, although neither of them particularly bother me. Apparently there was, there was a, there was a battle over because the, in the Martian, the guy that Chio Edgio four, whatever his name is, name Chio Tell Edgio four. Is that how you pronounce it? I believe uh, so. The guy he plays is supposed to be an Indian guy, I think in the book. And mm. then there's there's the the chick from Halt and Catch Fire, the blonde woman, something Park, the one who's watching the satellite feeds. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that was the that originally McKenzie found the Davis anomaly of the uh, yes. of the the rover that was moved. Yeah, right. She was supposed to be Korean Park, right? You know, so mm. or or was in the book, right? Who you know? To me, it's just like, well, you have a you have a very eclectic cast anyway in that movie. Great, you know what I mean? Whether it's the exact eclectic cast things that right. were in the book right. it's like it's irrelevant to me um make a good movie you know if everyone acts well whatever we're mixing it up great you know right um right. anyway so yeah the martian was good but yeah that's the martian is entirely the way i i was reading that book when i first had it sent to me by friends when it was still available for 99 cents uh and i was friends of mine wrote me and just said this movie is is written for us you know friend and old yeah. friends of mine uh See, I, I would say the same thing about Ready Player One. If you haven't read Ready Player One, read that. I, I read the first 30 pages and didn't get into it, but I, I need to make a point of it. See. All right, where do you want to go? Uh, we have a lot of different longer-term discussions, not longer-term, but like medium-term discussions in here. Uh, do you want to start with your elevating stuff, or do you want to do that later? Um... You know what? Let's let's work around to it. If we get to okay. it, right. we'll do it. If not, we'll uh, we'll 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 get to it next time. Okay. Uh, this is there was an article about uh, uh, um, by uh, by uh, interview with Bruce Campbell on CNET, yep. which doesn't really yep. matter in any real way, uh, other than he was Ash and he was Briscoe County Junior. Yes, <laughs> he's he's really funny, isn't he? He's, He's a very hysterical. odd, odd dude. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I'm reading this article and it said, uh, I may sound like an old guy now, Campbell says, cracking his old best old timer voice. In my day, <laughs> the first Evil Dead movies uh, movie was full of analog hands on. Uh, I'm sorry, was a full analog hands-on movie. You had to buy 16 millimeter stock. You had to go to a special lab to get the Kodak stock. You had to load it into a special camera that you can't buy at your local video shop. You had to rent it. You had to have insurance. You have to shoot uh, that thing until the wheels fell off. Uh, same with an editing machine. It would rip footage apart. It would get hot. It would spew oil everywhere. <laughs> right. It was actually a dangerous, heavy machine. <laughs> Uh, but shooting for days on end in the middle of the force in Tennessee and running an editing machine hot was how the Evil Dead movies were made. And Campbell mm -hmm. said it weeded out all the slackers. You could not be a slacker under those conditions. You had to have a plan. You couldn't just make a movie. You had to work. Uh, now you now you go, should I edit today? Should I edit it tomorrow? There's no pressure because you're editing at home on your computer, or the, uh, something you shot on your iPhone. So I think the good news is any filmmaker anywhere now, uh, 
any filmmaker anywhere now, you don't have to go to a special store to get the camera. You could buy it in any electronics store. With about four grand, you've got the gear you need to basically make a movie. You can go, you can make it, you can cut it on your computer, you can put it on a thumb drive and take it to your local theater. But as a result, you've got slackers on parade because it's almost too easy now. So this is, this is... I feel a big question coming along. Do you think it's too easy now? No. <laughs> you don't think so? Okay. No. Um, no. It, I mean, it, it, is, it, is it easy to get your movie made? <clears throat> is, it easy, is it easy to make a film? Is, is a question, right? Right. Um, yes, of course it's easy to make. It's, well, it's easier to make a film Depends now on the film. Sure. Uh, you know, you can speak to that firsthand because you've made several short films. I've made little short films, sure. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was, in the grand scheme of things, pretty easy. You yes. didn't have to go no. buy film stock and find editing facilities. Uh, and so in that respect, yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So is it easy to make a good film? I mean, I'm sorry. Is, is it, it easy, easy to, to make, make a, a film? film? Yes. Yes. In the same way that it is easy to make a photograph. It is easy to make a painting. It is easy. You know, right. all of those things can be construed as still, easy. Still just as hard to make a good one is what you're going to say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But here, I guess here's, here's my little, my alternate twist on it mm-hmm. is, is the fact that it's easy, is the fact that we can do 30 takes, does it make us think less about each take and therefore cheapen the experience? I don't think so because there are filmmakers who who famously shot film and famously did shot take after take after take after yeah. take Kubrick until they got it right. right. Kubrick, right. Coppola, sure. You know, Coppola yeah. shot until he was happy. Yep. Damn the cost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, still like we always talk about that movie, but uh, the the behind the scenes apocalypse now one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's no. I I got gotcha. you. It's just it is interesting that that there's a guy like this saying. You know, I, I like the idea that the editing machine itself was a dangerous heavy machine. Right. You know. Um, I mean, th- look there there are certain processes that are easier. Yes. Is yeah. it easier to get a dris- distribution deal? No. It's probably harder because so many people are doing it. Yeah. Is it yeah, easier yeah. to get your film on Netflix? Probably not because now they've gone in house and they're yeah. making the, you know. So there, there was an interesting give and take. There was an interesting article in the New York Times, Washington Post that when I was looking at election stuff last night mm-hmm. about how there are so many TV shows in production now that studio space is actually at a premium. Sure. We've well, run if, out of TV studios yeah. essentially yeah. to make shows. Uh my friend Jude uh one of his good friends is Steven Soderbergh, and he was they, he and Steven were having some conversation about a project that they're working on together. And he's like, "Look, Jude wanted to do it a script that he wrote. He wanted to do it as a film." And Soderbergh said, "Look, man, you can do it as a film, but the best film is happening on TV right now. Period. Right. right. The the absolute the best production value, the best acting, the best the best work is happening on TV right now." Yeah, 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 yeah. It is, it is interesting. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's uh, old timers always think that the change is necessarily not necessarily a bad thing. Cause he says this good stuff is still made, mm-hmm. but that, the, but that the old way of doing it was the better way. The thing is that the old way of doing it in Bruce Campbell's day was the easy way compared to the guys in the forties who had to have multiple 10 K lights. Right. Right. To do the well, same and, thing and, because they didn't have the same sensitivity film and et cetera. Yeah. Would his new Evil Dead project be happening if they, if they still had cheap. to do it the old way? Yeah. 
And the answer is probably no. It looks a lot better too. (laughs) Yeah. But there was a certain charm about, about evil dead Two. Yeah. Visual charm, I mean. Sure. I, I, I will tell you, though, that even with my new camera, um, because it is expensive and heavy and blah, 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 and because while it's built much closer to the feel of an SLR and with a lot of the same sort of guts that are meant to be sort of beat on, I do think about it in, in a more... Um, uh, fragile way, uh, and therefore tend Wait, to back up a sec. Sure. In in terms of what it feels more fragile to you than say your Mark three. No. Well, uh, does it feel more fragile? If I had to have one camera that I was going to take into the jungle and make sure it worked, I would probably take my Mark three over this camera, even though hmm. I've, I've no reason to say that other than the fact that I shot 70, by the way, I shot 73,000 images on my Mark three. So that's a mm. conversation for another time. Yeah, um, yeah. But so, so part of it like just could be perception. Weddings. Exactly. <laughs> part of it could be perception, right? Just like right, the way right. I see things. Uh, but but the other part of it is, I think that the shutter's rated to, I don't know, 125,000, where the shutter on the Mark III is rated to 200,000 or something like that. But there mm-hmm. is part of me that says, you know what? This thing's really expensive. Don't just blast away. Think about each frame because each frame actually costs money. You know, I, I'm shooting this camera far more like I shoot my Hasselblad than I shot my Canon. Hmm. Um, hmm. So I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's going to make for better pictures. I don't know if that's going to last the more it becomes just the camera that I use. Uh, but it is something that I've noticed in the past, you know, three weeks or whatever that I've had it. I don't know. Just interesting stuff. But hmm. uh, I just like the idea that Bruce Campbell is... Uh, <laughs> It's really hard. Is it hard on Nikon's to find out how many frames you've shot on a on a body? Like, a- uh, no, I don't think so. I I don't know. In fact, I know it's not because when I got my when I first got my D three hundred, I got it as um, a store uh, store model, like a yeah, like a demo. Yeah. And there were nine actuations on it. So, I mean, it was. <laughs> you were like, there were nineteen thousand actuations. Yeah. <laughs> no, there were nine nine actuations on it. So. So yeah, that's nothing. Okay, so nothing. it's somewhere yeah. in the in the settings. Yeah, uh, yeah on yeah. Canon cameras, for a long time, it's not anywhere in the settings. There is a website like EOS Count or something like that dot com. If you're on a Windows machine with an ActiveX control and have the camera huh. plugged in, it can go figure it out. I think with Magic Lantern, you can figure it out. Uh, hmm. That'll get you to the data. But the way I ended up finding was apparently if you connect to uh, um, uh, Capture One. In the metadata in the capture oh, tab it'll tell of Capture you. One, oh. it will tell you. It'll grab it off of whatever nice. you know, EEPROM that's in there. So I don't know something, some useful piece of information. Um, uh, and it, to to close this out, yeah. if you haven't seen Evil Dead Two, go see go, Evil Dead go 2. watch Evil. Go rent it. It's it's a it's a fun kind of romp. <sighs> Man, I haven't seen and, Evil Dead Two in years. And and if you, I don't. Is Briscoe County Junior? available anywhere if it's if it's not it's it should be because that was a fun show all right let me let me put evil dead too. um uh it was a by the way uh cost six million dollars oh no no, no it made six million dollars evil dead 2 apparently. what did it cost a couple hundred thousand 3.6 million budget 5.9 million box office hmm. but i'm sure since then has made another yeah. 50 cult million film. and yeah yeah let's make uh, a cult he- film jeffrey that's right. We should. We should. He's got a book out too. That's. Uh, I don't think I still have it. It's. Uh, if chins could kill. 
is the name of the book. And it's just him sort of, you know, talking about the movie business. It's, yeah, it's uh, funny, right? If chins uh, could kill. He's a, he's a, he's a funny guy, yeah. Um, hey, uh, and, it, and watch Bubba Hotep. That's another one. Which one's Bubba Hotep? He plays Elvis. Or he, 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 he thinks he's Elvis. He's, he could be an Elvis impersonator. And, uh, uh, oh, 2002. Ozzie, got it. Yeah. Ozzie Davis plays JFK. <laughs> okay. That's, that's pretty genius. Right. All right. I will, I'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah. It's hysterical. It's really uh, good. Speaking of movies, yeah. uh, Tony Vaccaro, who I had Italian soup with once, um, there's a documentary about him on HBO on yep. November 14th, which is next. Is that next Monday? Uh, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. <laughs> We're good <14. at> math. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yes, it's next next four, next uh, <laughs> next Monday. Um, oh. I think you, you, whether next week or the week after, you and I should watch this and and talk about it. So Tony Vaccaro is a photographer who's been around forever, but is known for a lot of the stuff he shot during World War II as mm-hmm. a GI in Europe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, famously would process his film in his helmet at night under a new moon um, and hang it over trees, things. And, and you know, I mean, and, come on. Yeah. Not messing why, around this guy. Why, why is there no like biopic about that? That's, that's well, fascinating stuff. There is apparently under fire the untold story of well, it's a documentary though. I mean, but yeah, why isn't yeah. it like fictionalize his story and and you know yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, that guy probably paratrooped in too. You know, yeah, he's probably pretty badass uh, and uh, super super sweet guy. Um, and he did buy me Italian soup at this weird place in uh, where is that Long Island City where he lives. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll I'll put a link to the uh, to the to the thing here. But next. Monday, I guess, on HBO under fire. So we should watch that and discuss it. Um, yeah, it's good. Hey, uh, did you see these pictures? So the Cubs won last week, right? Yes, hugely. Uh, hugely. Sorry, I'm moving this up. Um, the Cubs win. Uh, it's a very exciting uh, World Series and the whole thing. Uh, the Cubs have not won since what 108 year drought. 108 years. <laughs> 108 yeah. years. Once something stops happening 100 years ago, I don't. I don't even know if it really matters anymore. Um, I just. Lot- I love how diehard the fans have been. I mean, yeah, old yeah. old fans that are like you know never thought they would see this in their lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. And get then to see this. Yeah, it's it's really great. I was rooting for them. Sorry, Cleveland people. Um, the reason I bring it up is that a lot of people have pointed out to the two large Chicago newspapers, which are the Chicago Tribune and the Chicago Sun-Times, uh, and pointing out that the Sun-Times had fired their photography staff uh, uh, a while back and mm-hmm. is just using, I guess, buying pictures from freelancers or whatnot uh, or using social media images and that kind of stuff. And they juxtaposed juxtapos- Position juxtaposed, they juxtaposed. <laughs> they do that too. Uh, the today picture. on on taking juxtaposing, <laughs> juxtapositions. <laughs> mean, uh, they juxtapose the Chicago Tribune image and the Sun Times image, showing the Chicago Tribune who has staff photographers and how where they were in the right position at the right time to get the right shot, and of course the Sun Times being bad. Now this is you know, not evidence that this is 
all the way the world works and that all amateur images are terrible, etc. I'm not saying that. It's just it is an interesting, however, an in- interesting juxtaposition between the two positions of these newspapers and how sometimes having people on staff can work in your favor. <laughs> uh, yes and no. I mean, it's it, all right. What do you got? Well, it's the way it's being framed or the way some people are taking it. Oh, I is, like the framed. That was good. Yeah, that was unintentional too. Uh, <laughs> is, is that this was just some, you know, guy who happened to be there. I mean, it, it, it's, it, the guy is an AP photographer that took the, the photo for the Sun Times. Okay. Yes. He's he not just on, on the staff, wrong side. Yeah. But it's, it's not like he, you know, it's not like they, they, they usurped a fan photo who just yep. happened to be there. True. Yep. You know, yep. um, and they're, you know, David a lot of people are making, yeah, they're making the case about, oh, well, this is what happens when you, you know, professional versus amateur. And it's like, well, this, this other guy is a professional photographer. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, and he's been shooting for AP since the mid nineties. You so, would think though, you would think that if they were buying images from anybody who had them for sale from there, cause there must've been mm-hmm. dozens of photographers, right? Is yeah. that really the best image? Well, that, that's the thing. Is the, the argument shouldn't be on the quality of the picture. It should be the judgment of the picture editor. Yeah, exactly. I agree. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, no, true. Like, who got a phone call and went, really? That's the one you're going to go with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe they needed, <laughs> you know what it is? Some web designer designed their website to need a horizontal picture. That's right. That's and so. Right. <laughs> We need something 16 by nine. I don't care what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, look, all the best pictures are vertical. Yeah, it's not really going to work in our design. So yeah, I actually also love the giant DeWalt ad on the left side <laughs> yeah, of the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, okay. <laughs> you ever own any DeWalt stuff? Um, my, no, my father and grandfather used to own DeWalt when it was still DeWalt before it got purchased by Black & Decker. Oh, okay. Um, they still make I good stuff, though, don't they? They still make good stuff. Yeah, they still make terrific stuff. Um, I don't know if they went back independent or are they still owned by Black & Decker. I'm sure somebody out there listening can confirm that. Um, I have a couple friends that use their their cordless drills. They're 18 and 20 volt, and the, they really like them. You know, I have a uh, I have a 9 volt old school Makita right angle mm-hmm, drill. Mm-hmm. You know, the old school ones with the long yeah. handle yeah. Uh, that I bought. Actually, that my mother bought for me in 1991 when I uh, first started as a uh, cell phone install installer in cars. So still uh, NICAD batteries probably doesn't charge worth crap. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, uh, it still works. And I have I replaced the battery maybe 10 years ago, and that battery is kind of dying. I got to order another one. But other than that, it works. And I used it this weekend to put up curtains. And mm-hmm. and I actually mentioned to Heather. I said, you know, see, this is what happens when you buy something really good the first time. Right. It lasts for twenty five years. And yeah, I was like, yeah. had I bought some crappy thing at at whatever, it would. Still I ended not, up going with uh, with a Hitachi, eighteen is it, volt. Is it pretty pretty hardcore? It's it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's yeah. like four hundred pound inch pounds of torque, and it's lifetime tool warranty. And my yeah, only worry about something like that, the reason why I would go for <laughs> this week in power tools, um, right. the reason why I would go for the Makita or the Dewalt or whatever would be accessibility to new batteries eventually, because that could be the one thing. About, yeah, I mean, uh, you know what I mean. They all kind of change their form factor. Um, yeah, I, I I knew people that used both. Um, 
when I was at this, this working at the special effects place, uh, it was about half and half actually between Hitachi and Makita. Um, okay. and it was, I was surprised cause I had, I wasn't real familiar with Hitachi as a power tool brand. Um, but you know, a lot of the guys used them and they, and they really dug them. Well, there you go. Hitachi's so, where it's at. Apparently. I don't know where it's at. Well, some of their, they, their air tool are, are pretty badass looking. Yeah. Hitachi. Why do they? Right. Why do all of their power tools that I'm looking up right now on the internet look like they're from Transformers? Is yours green <laughs> and black? It's and- green and it's got like the rubber. Yeah, it I doesn't look know. like it's a Transformer. It's looked like 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 their industrial designer really wanted to be in sneakers, you yeah. know? And they're like, uh, yeah. we're gonna put him in power tools, right? I'll show you. He's like shaking his fist. <laughs> He's like, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like sneakers. Suck it. <laughs> uh, all right. What else you got? You want to talk um, about some elevation? Yeah. Well, it, this this doesn't have to be uh, street photography. Relevant rele- relegated to street photography. And you know, I, I'm uh, as I may have mentioned, I'm working on this book. Um, and part of what's being included in this book is a series of of Q and As with different photographers that are known for different types of photography, disciplines of photography, etc. And one of the questions that I asked of everyone, there were three, um, three unique questions and then two sort of common questions that, that I asked everyone. And one of them was, what's the difference between a good photograph and a great photograph? Okay. What is that sort of line in the sand where good becomes great? And you could you could insert painting or piece of sure. music yeah, or yeah. book or whatever. And I've only received one response so far. And it was, um, and he was like, "God, if I know." Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> How big your Twitter profile? I don't yeah. know. Um, so I thought it was it was kind of an interesting topic because I, I think a lot of, I know because we get responses and we get questions and we get feedback about it. A lot of listeners of this show um, maybe not struggle, but wrestle with good work versus great work sure. in their own bodies of work. And, and is it, is it, is it something you can learn? Can you learn to recognize when work is great and and if so how do you gauge that and do you gauge it differently if the work is out there in the public versus work that you never show anyone did you ever um you know persig has that whole idea that that things have quality independent of subjective interpretation mm-hmm. so that you know a a a just to use a stupid one that everyone will agree on Michelangelo's David has quality regardless before you even open your eyes and look at it. It's mm-hmm. already there. It's a quality mm-hmm. that already exists. Capital Q. Um, do you think that, 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 that is true of, of this? Or are you talking even on a more subjective level? I think on a more subjective level. Yeah. Is and I think taste changes too, right? I mean, it's that um, obviously, yeah, sure. Uh, it's it's the uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, 
what's the name? This American Life guy that everyone always uh, loves Ira Glass. sending us. Yeah, Ira Glass always uh, that that little talk he gives about how, um, uh, uh, how your taste gets better over time, mm-hmm. and, or, and or at least changes. It may not get better, but it will change. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and that 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 whatever you do initially is going to be terrible and then your taste will improve with your skills and that's ends up how you your your skills aren't up to your taste and then mm-hmm. you know as your skills get up to your taste then maybe your taste moves on and then your skills follow it's always like um the 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 taste is always the head of the front of the train and it's pulling your skills along with it like in a, like a little accordion like a uh, like the guy in toy story who has the slinky in the middle like the dog, oh, the, yeah, the the little wiener dog, yeah, yeah. You know where 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 the front of that dog is is chasing what it thinks is good, and 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 what you can accomplish might be the back of that dog, and it might be six feet back, or it might be right behind where your taste is. And I think that part of the flow of that slinky uh, is is what we were talking about. I think a little bit last week about the plateau stuff, right? Where where you realize that your stuff isn't as good as you want it to be. And that's actually a good place to be because now you at least have a goal to, to attain or to, to, to go after. Well, okay. Go, go back for a minute on this idea of um, objective versus subjective good. If you, if you took, we were talking last week about Eggleston. Yep. So you take a, 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 a six picture portfolio of Eggleston's, best and i'm using quotes here best work yeah and a six image portfolio of tyler shields best work or la chapelle's best work sure both in their circles are considered subjectively good right but I guess the question is, is, is objectively good, is that that iconic or timeless quality that we talk about but can't really define? Yeah, and the other question is, is it definable within the work being new or does it take 30, 40 years to look back on something to, to sort of nail in the last few, uh, uh, you know, to put the plaque on it takes time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That we as we as a society don't know whether, you know, the the piece of sculpture made of notebook paper made in 1983, everyone thought was genius is the next David or if it's a blip that's going to be forgotten. Right. You know, and I right. think I mean, part part of the problem with all of this is that, you know, there's there's motivation for people in the world to say that things are great, whether it's books or movies or, or, or what have you, but mm-hmm. those aren't always the ones that, that, that have staying power. I would, I always think about this with friends, right? It's, you know, you, you can meet people, you could have your best friend in college and you may think you're going to be, have them in your life, your whole, have them around your whole life. And, and it turns out, you know, you and they kind of go different directions a year after college and you don't really ever talk to them again. And yet, you know, the girl you worked with in the, in the school cafeteria ends up being the person who comes to your wedding 20 years later. Right. Um, right, right, right. That, that, that you can't, you can't predict how, how the billiard balls are going to bump into each other. Um, and I think the same in some ways is, is true of work. I mean, you and I can look at our own stuff and say, you know, this, this image is the best, is the, 
in my opinion, the best thing that I've done. And I think it's, if, if you were going to look at, to look at my work and say, okay, this is a great image in my opinion that I've made. Um, it, 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 I, I could have a completely different view of that four years from now, five years from now, you know, as, as well, could you. What's fascinating too is, you know, I think you and I have, have, but I know we, along with a lot of listeners have spent a lot of time in front of great photography. Yeah. Fair to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you and I would look at your body of work or my body of work or anybody else's body of work. Yeah. And probably if asked, choose the three best photos. We may have one in common, but chances are we're going to pick three completely different photos. Sure. Yeah. The, uh, I was at, uh, at MoMA, uh, I had, uh, Conrad and I were, went to MoMA on Saturday, Sunday, um, and they had a show of photography, a bunch of stuff that, that, uh, had, had been, uh, given to, uh, the people like by Robert Menchel, this uh, guy, it was a whole collection of, of photographs mm-hmm. all the way from Fox Talbot up to God, I don't know, people from the seventies and eighties that I you wow. know, can't specifically. They remember. had actual Fox Talbot pieces there. He had a nineteen forty three view of Paris. It was a salted paper print by by Fox Talbot himself. Wow. It was amazing. Wow. Um hundred and fifty years of photography, right? Nineteen forty three to the late nineties. Hmm. And or eighteen forty three to the late nineties, rather. It's that math thing again. Right. Um, I was going to say, I just, it just kind of hit me like 1943. Fox, yeah. Talbot, hold on. <laughs> uh, and some of it was, was, was absolutely amazing. And some of it was, I just kind of walked by. I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I know that photographer. I'm not particularly enamored with their work. Conrad could be walking around thinking the exact opposite of me. You know, there, there was, there was a picture on the wall by a guy who I can't remember the name and I'll have to look it up. Uh, but they look like Blossfelt images of uh leaves of of plants you know those flower mm-hmm, pictures mm-hmm. he did yeah okay. yeah yep. and i'm looking at him and i'm and I, I look at the the person who made them and it's you know some guy and i'm like well those look like blossom so then i go and i read the i read the uh the label and it says this guy blah 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 you know making his thing like working off the for- work of former guy Blossfeld. and i was like oh okay there we go there's the Blossfeld thing and it goes on and on and on and then it gets to the end and it goes they're not actually flowers they're actually flowers this guy created out of crap he found on the ground while walking around hmm. and, and then i go look at the photograph again and i'm like oh yeah look at that <laughs> and I went into the other room and I grabbed Conrad and I brought her back and I go, remember those pictures that I did? Cause I took some pictures, Bloss felt like pictures from my mother years ago to put up on her wall in the Southbury house. And, and she read the thing and then she went, Oh yeah, look at that. That's kind of neat. Now those stand out to me when there was lots of other really amazing stuff in the room too, but we didn't agree necessarily of the best stuff in the room. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Um, I got turned on by, uh, pictures of gas lamps in Paris in the early 20th century. You know, it's like most people wouldn't care, but I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. I like typologies, you know? Right. Um, right. Um, so, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're going to disagree. Um, does that mean, but does that mean that we're both wrong? We're both right. That greatness isn't anything but inside each of our heads. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's how you, uh, you, you approach it uh, or how, I think the, the, the discussion has to have some parameters before we can figure out 
kind of where it's going. Well, I also think that it's the kind of thing that you and I could theoretically, uh, I'm sure. Okay. You, you, you've sent your Q and a to a number of photographers who are people that we've all heard of. Right. Yeah. And, and they're going to, you know, people you're friends with or people you're fans of and et cetera. Um, Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to me the answers you get back because this is one of those questions that is easy to answer if all you're talking about is abstractions. Sure. Well, and and good good may may evoke hmm, good may have nothing to do with the end product. Yeah. Good may be wrapped around the making of the product. Yeah. Sure. Sure. You know the photo that I took on X day at X place might be crap. But I'll never forget the situation or the 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 circumstances around which that photograph was made. Right, but that and means so, the photograph is great to you, mm-hmm. right? How do you? Yeah, how do that, you ex- that we get back into that subjective greatness? Sure, exactly. You know, I I uh, in April of two thousand five, uh, I sat my father down in front of a blue sheet in our living room with one light with an umbrella before I even knew how to use it and took some pictures of him. Um, they're terrible pictures, <laughs> mm-hmm. but they're, they're, they're iconic to me. Right. Um, and, but now could you communicate that to someone who then sees them a little more through your eyes and they become elevated because of the context in which they were made? I'm sure I could add frosting to them, but I think that the cake has to be pretty damn good to begin with. Hmm. But that's, hmm. but that's, but I, I am as it's well, that, funny. That, that begs the question, good versus iconic. You know, there are lots of pictures that we sure. hold up as iconic images, but you look at them and you're like, well, that's not a great image. Right, right, right. But, but exactly. You know, the, the, even the Eggleston tricycle, right? Everyone knows that image. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a really neat picture. People hold it up as, oh, here's the beginning of color photography in the real world Mm -hmm, and blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, you know, in in art and whatever. And Mm -hmm. it may be that in the same way that, uh, you know, the Campbell soup cans, Warhol Campbell soup cans are meaningful. But for a lot of people, it's like, well, it's a, you know, halfway decent painting of the front of a Campbell soup can. Why, Why is that? Why does that mean anything? You know, and and, And, and and why is it any different than a halfway decent painting of insert subject matter here? Why is it that? The crappy flowers my grandmother painted with her watercolor set or whatever, you know, and, and, and then you get into, well, well then we'll have to have a discussion of where art was and how it was thinking about commercialism and, and mass producibility and, you know, like society in the 1950s and right. You, I mean, you could dig deep and put a lot of frosting on it and eventually, I guess, I guess you could build meaning up, but it, it's funny because I say that, that to me, the cake has to be pretty damn good. But, but at the same time, I was just talking about how I didn't think those fake Blossfeld pictures were very cool until I read the label. So what do I right, know? Right, right, right. Um, yeah. It's, it's like duct, duct tape might make it work, but it's not going to make it great. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. You know, it's, it, it might do the job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On so, your toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I, I think I think with I think specifically if you if you want to continue this conversation in weeks to come and we will take genres because I think that is is interesting. I mean, you mm-hmm. you originally said, you know, how, let's talk about street photography and then the next week let's talk about portraits. Let's talk about whatever. 
I think in street photography, you want to take that as the first one. To me, street photography comes down to the people. Street photography comes down to composition. Mm-hmm. We'll know? save it. Save it. Let's do. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's start okay. next week with with street photography, and we'll we'll proceed through different genres and see where it goes. Okay. And, yeah. And I, we can use kind of examples from from each of us about you know here's here's what I think is you know the pinnacle for me, and let's let's talk about our choices. Yeah. Okay. Done. That would be fun. That works. Wait, why did you put it? Oh my God, these snakes are terrifying. Okay, so <laughs> what Bill is looking at. <laughs> I'll put a okay. link in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, uh, switching gears. So uh, a, a guy named uh, Luke Johnston. Luke, Luke Johnston, Luke. who uh, is a, 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 an advertising design and photography guy, posted a tweet yesterday uh with the caption possibly the greatest scene in documentary history period incredible period hashtag planet earth 2 and what it is if you haven't seen it it is this uh god that snake is long yeah it's this lizard uh iguana hatchling um uh, it's it opens with with him running up this hill being chased by this giant snake, okay? He run, leaps. Run, little iguana, run! Yeah, he leaps off the top of this rock, boom, lands. And you're thinking, right on, he's free. But then the camera pans around, and there's like 50 snakes waiting for him there at the bottom oh of the thing. Oh my God, this is terrifying. And the chase ensues. And it is, it is, it is... It is one of the no, greatest no, chases. No, no, just watch. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, it's... my God. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, I will not be showing no, this to my keep wife. Going, keep going. Keep going. Oh, he gets out. Okay, go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Right? What kind of snakes are these? I don't know. So anyway, go watch this. We'll put it in the show notes. It will be the <laughs> I coolest. I wonder how much editing this is. It's amazing. And it's, you've got, what is it? Is it David Attenborough? Is that the voice? Uh, I, I'm not listening to the audio because I'm listening to you. Okay. So, but yeah, it, it typically. I think it's, it's, I think it's, it's David Attenborough. Attenborough. Oh, yeah. Uh, they are. Okay. I don't want to say what happens. Oh, yeah. okay. So go watch this thing. It is, it is one of the greatest chase scenes ever filmed. As, as far as I'm concerned, it is up there with with <laughs> with French Connection. It it is a fantastic chase scene. Uh, so go watch. I love I your response. Listening to that real time, that was terrific. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought you'd like that. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to the missus. Let's see what she has to say. <laughs> uh, famously, my my wife when she was four years old was at the Bronx Zoo. And some guy had, you know, a snake out and he was showing people snakes like out on the street or whatever it is. And he tripped and the snake fell onto Conrad and she fell onto the ground with the snake on top of her. Oh, yuck. And ever since she has been terrified of snakes. Yeah. It was like, you know, whenever people talk about, well, what is the one moment that makes you afraid of water or whatever it is? It's like she remembers the moment that she became afraid of snakes. I, I, um, I sent this to, to Dushman and he responds, why did it have to be snakes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> so nice. perfect. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, so there right, is what do you a- get? You got some, some creative cloud stuff in here. What so you, there's what a new you- version of, of creative cloud. 2017 apps came out uh, a couple of days ago. What, what, what do we get that, 
they're still trying to work the bugs out of now? Uh, absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they, they added, uh, um, let's see. Uh, apparently there's like ways to do more 3d models in Adobe stock assets. Updated um, about page. Yeah. You can, you can, <laughs> Uh, better uh, uh, templates, I think, for doing banners and flyers and websites. Uh, Jumpstart stuff to like basically, you know, templates to get your design going. Uh, having hmm. your assets always at your fingertips, more Creative Cloud library crap, you know. Yeah. But basically, nothing, no, no big new features that make you go, oh, yeah, that's right. And I guess my question is, do you think that uh, do you think that photo software is has reached a level of maturity where there's not that much more to do? Um, in terms of what's 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 necessary for the bulk of users, yes. Yeah. Um, there are. I, I think. I think we have we have saturated the features. I where I do think there's improvement is in UI and how those features work and work together. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I've been using affinity designer for the book and, uh, just started using affinity photo for some of the, 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 the cleanup and some of the other, um, things. And it's good. It's an incredible piece of software. They work together really well. They're fast. They're fluid. They are Mac only at the moment. Uh, affinity designer is in beta for windows so if you if you uh, are a Windows user and you want to check it out, I think you can download a beta at. Uh, I think it might just be Serif. It's Affinity. Wait, there's a Windows version beta. Yeah, there's a Windows version oh. of of Affinity Designer, uh, and Affinity Photo is coming. They say before year's end, version one point five, which which is fantastic. interesting because they had been touting how they built the whole thing in. Shoot, let me get this right. Is Carbon the better one or Carbon the old one? Coco. Coco is the new one. Yeah. Coco is the new one? Yeah. Or is it, no, the old maybe one. it is Carbon. Whatever. The the newer sort of tool set in Mac OS that allows all the acceleration and whatnot. I wonder how they ported that successfully to Windows without sort of starting from scratch. Uh, I am not sure. Interesting. Uh, see. Yeah. Affin- Affinity Designer for Windows is now in beta. So you can sign up and... Oh, wait. Uh, nope. I'm sorry. They're accepting signups for beta. So it is coming soon, apparently. You know, did you see... Um, so the, 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 the Windows Surface Studio or whatever we discussed a little bit last week. I um, did a little more digging since last we spoke. Okay. And what'd you find out? It's a beautiful piece of kit. Yeah, it's, it's it's really nice. I mean, it it looks spec wise, design wise, it it looks fantastic. It really does. I, I am very interested to actually see somebody using it there. On, Me too. I think it was CNET or one of them. There was a here's a, re- a review for photographers of the new Surface Studio, and I I clicked on the link. And it wasn't really a review by somebody who's used it. It was somebody discussing the features and how they could possibly be useful for photographers. And I went back Mm. and looked and the link was sponsored by Microsoft. And I was like, okay, Microsoft, let people use it and show that it's actually as good as they say it is. And then we'll talk about, you know, but don't say this is a review from somebody who's never actually touched the damn thing. Um, I also think it's interesting. A number of people in the last week, and I've listened to a whole bunch of nerdy Mac podcasts and you know, um, 
a number of people who are serious Mac heads, like I think it was Andy Anako even the other, uh, the other day said, you know, I'm coming, I'm trying to come around to the idea that my next computer might not be a Mac. And it's been a Mac since 1985. That's that, a big statement that, from him. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, not necessarily taking his statement as a thing, but just the idea that so many serious Mac nerds are kind of saying, I am honestly worried that there isn't a future in this for me as a tool that I need to do my work. Um, hmm. If it, man, if Microsoft can actually come around and build something that good, you know, let's talk. Um, I wonder who, who I didn't look deep enough to find. I, I was just looking at design of it. Really? Uh, who's building the hardware for them? Uh, I don't know that they've said, uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's see who's building surface studio. It's probably Foxconn and all the rest of it. Right. It's gotta be. So it's nobody, it's, it's not a, like, it's not HP or Lenovo or, or something. No, I think, well, uh, they, they build their own, the, the surface pros and all those are built by. That's them. all in house. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, well, designed in house, they're built by, I'm sure some places. Yeah. Yeah. China. But I mean, designed in house. Yeah. 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 In fact, uh, there was an article the other day saying that Balmer was claiming, uh, in a recent interview that, that he was very excited about building hardware and that, the board and Bill Gates both were kind of poo-pooing it when he was CEO hmm. Hmm. and that they finally said, okay. And they let the surface and then the surface RT ended up not becoming a big thing, but the more recent ones have actually been starting to do fairly well. Um, and he was pointing, I guess, I mean, he was probably patting himself on the back or whatnot, but uh, do you, do you think they'll get to a point where they give away the OS like Apple does with Mac OS? Uh, well, they or is kind there of still did too with much Windows money? 10, didn't they? I mean, they, they, or, or if you had older versions, you could upgrade for free. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, my issues with, and this is coming from a guy who used Windows for 15 years, so I'm not. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, there are things in Windows that bother me. The new version, Windows 10 does all kinds of crazy stuff where it, it won't let you not update to the latest stuff. There's all kinds of stuff going on in the background where it's sending crap back to the home server and all that kind of mm -hmm, stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. um, the, the, the fact that you can't, you know, cloning drives and these kinds of things that I've gotten very used to on a Mac in the last four or five years. Right. Um, Still cumbersome. It's awkward and yeah, yeah, it's really awkward. And then you get worrying about drivers, worrying about malware, worrying about, you know, all these kinds of things. It's, ugh, I don't want to go back to that, you know? Yeah. It's funny that, that, you know, Windows 10 has is probably the most streamlined version of Windows that they've released in a while, but it still suffers the stigma of bloatware. You even, have it. Even, you have it installed for gaming. Yeah, I have Windows 10 for gaming. Okay, and that's I, the only thing I use my Windows machine for. That's and all. it also bothers me that you know they've done a superficial design overhaul. They've polished the whole interface and the whole thing. But the minute you get more than two dialogues deep, you're back to you're something back that to, looks like it was yep. designed in 1995. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of like, guys, you could have just put another 50 designers on this and they could have designed all of these things in the new way, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and maybe it's as somebody who, who, came i was playing with windows 10 the other day uh, at dan's house because we installed it on a new little hackintosh he's building um but just that the, they keep changing the names of things and where things are in the control panel and trying yeah. to make it easier but it makes it more complex it's like oh for god's sakes try stop trying to help 
you're causing you're making it harder <laughs> by trying to help it's sort of like you're trying to find your way around a building in every corner somebody's just like can i help you find that bu- that room and you're like oh god i'm just walking down a hallway well what, hall- what room are you trying to find 423 well just walk down there and talk to the next guy who's going to tell you where it is it's like can you just tell me where it is you know right. um right. so uh, as much as i think that this studio uh, surface studio looks really cool and i use photoshop and i need capture one and lightroom and you know, the rest of it is just a browser to me. Um, mm-hmm. There's still something that doesn't feel. There's always been a thing with with Max that the 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 interface felt like it was a solid edifice that you're working on, and somehow in Windows it feels like it is a paper edifice that if you push too hard you're going to pop through. Yeah, yeah. Is that a bad way of putting it? I don't know. No, no, no. I get what you're trying to say. It feels fragile. Yeah. In a way that macOS never felt fragile to me. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting to me. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not going back anytime soon unless something major changes, you know. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm going to go buy a new GPU this afternoon. There you go. Uh, sorry to go on a little rant there. That's all right. That's I need all right. to go on a little rant. Uh, Sometimes you got to rant a little. But I'll tell you, there really is nothing new in 2017. And I was like, really? Nothing? You got nothing for yeah. me? Good, good to know. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll find out. I'm gonna, I'll play with it more. Maybe there's deep stuff deep in there. Yeah, maybe. Um, you want to go to the group? What do you want to do? To the group, Wadman. <laughs> Wait, can I lift the head up on the uh, thing and press the button? Yeah, <laughs> the head up on the statue. A <laughs> uh, lot of really great stuff for out of the ordinary. We're just, I, I, I don't even know where to begin, so I'll just start at the top. David Lawrence, I like those abstract reflections. Uh, Bowden, what a beautiful sky. Mm. What do you think? Uh, hold on a second. I was, I, was, I was trying to find a better link to the new feature summary in Photoshop. Uh, yeah, hold let me on. know if you find one. Uh, Benjamin, that stairwell is terrific. It looks, I don't, I don't even know what I'm looking at. It's really, really good. Uh, hey, put up oh. that picture of, oh, Mario's picture of the uh, thing is great. The spoon. Yeah, with the with the the, Sorry, the two did patterns. I, did I did I did I miss no. that one? Okay. No, it's good. Uh, Justice put something up, and he also emailed me this morning. Yeah, uh, I didn't get to read it. I figured we could talk about it next week. Yeah, let's talk about it next. One of the things that that it's it's uh the, the title of the piece is when pictures tell stories, we'd rather not hear. And it's a, a photograph of the Trump rally in Loveland, Colorado. Stopped me in my tracks as I was scrolling through my Facebook feed. A black and white piece of photojournalism that reminded me of one of my favorite photographs, Diane Arbus's patriotic young man with a flag in New York City, the iconic image captured at the height of the anti-Vietnam frenzy. Uh, I could see the correlation. Take a look at this, guys, and let's talk about... Okay, one of the things that that I... Between the, the Black Guns Matter t-shirt, sort of center frame... Oh, yeah, look at that. And there was another T-shirt somebody was wearing at a Trump rally that says uh, it reads rope period, tree period, journalist. And then underneath some assembly required. Wow, that's really untoward. So and and again, I'm not going to go on a rant, but this is this is the problem that I have with this campaign. It's not it's not the man as much as it is the fallout the divisiveness, the derision, the hate, the racism, all that other crap that will be a reward 
or seen as a reward should he win. Yeah, yeah. That we will be dealing with as a nation for decades after his four-year tenure is up. Yeah, it feels like a move backward, not forward. It does. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about it. Okay. But um, yeah, we should we should talk about this. Yeah, when pictures tell stories, we'd rather not hear. Yeah, put a interesting, in really interesting. Yep. So, uh, moving along. This uh, Mark Hedden, right along, Key West, what's going on with that girl? The eyes have it with that girl. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that is actually kind of freaky. Look at that. It's really freaky. Uh, Matthew Zhu, rain gauge in the middle of the desert. That's a terrific shot. I like that a lot. Have you ever, uh, you, you kind of grew up in the desert in some ways, you know I mean? Uh, <laughs> I grew up in the desert. Well, no. uh, <laughs> you, With, you, you spent enough time in the desert in your life. The desert is, uh, yeah. The American Southwest is one of my favorite places and, and is, is always going to feel a bit like home for me. Yeah. Did you actually get, um, uh, uh, flash floods when you were a kid? Oh yeah. Several. Is it, is yeah, it as water, freaky as it sounds like it is? It's really weird. I mean, it's it's dry, 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 and all of a sudden, whoosh! This whoosh of water comes through, and then it's dry out of again. nowhere, like it's it's blue sky, seemingly seemingly out of nowhere. Yeah, because weird. because it rained forty miles to the east, and it just Something. washed down. Yeah, um, but yeah, well, there were a few of them as a kid. Really, God, wild. that's really disconcerting. They always talk about that in slot canyons and in the Narrows and in mm-hmm. Zion mm-hmm. and whatnot, right? You know, seemingly beautiful day, and then out of nowhere, a wall—you know—the water goes up four feet, and you're drowned. Yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Somebody should make a horror movie out of that. Uh, flash flood. <laughs> in a world of bright blue skies. <laughs> no. Jeffrey, sometimes in a, in a slot canyon, all of a sudden the water comes in and it's like one inch. Yeah. Two just, inch. <laughs> three inch. He's just standing there with like... He's got his tripod. He's trying to wait for the light so he could get the shot, right? That's right. supposed to happen right. as the water comes up below his feet. <laughs> right it's actually that guy who's the way who's the guy who sold the the photo for 40 billion dollars of the crappy photo oh, right, right all you see at the end of the shot is like the little <laughs> antenna from his pocket wizard sticking up above the water level that's all you see <laughs> and then a hand comes out and it's reaching to the sky as right. it just yeah. slowly falls back down in yeah yeah uh, it's good stuff uh all right what do you got for this week you 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 came up with this one well okay what do you got this what are you is, thinking Assignment civic duty. This is uh, the feels idea. Feels only applicable to America on today. No. Well, no? I, it is inspired by today's stuff. Fair but enough. I don't, think, I don't think that it is, you know, civic duty is not specifically American, right? Fair um, enough. And, and it kind of attaches also to our photographer of the week uh, this week. So hashtag civic duty. I want to see what civic you guys duty. come up with. All right. Civic duty. <clears throat> um, duty. You duty. like that? Stop saying duty. <laughs> it's D-U-T-Y, Jeffrey. Oh, oh. All right. Well, now I got to come up with something else. Uh, civic duty. <laughs> um, I was listening to an interview the other day with uh, Ken Burns on that Kodakery podcast, yep, which, yep. whose name you hate. I do. Um, it's a dumb name. Sorry, Kodak. Man, I got to tell you, Ken Burns is a very well-spoken man. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he gives a lot of interviews. I'm sure a lot of the answers that he gives are 
boilerplate sure. answers to questions he's, that he's, he's been asked a million he, yeah. times. He's he's got his his shtick, as it were. Sure, exactly. He's a very practiced man. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he mentioned that he went to Hampshire College and studied photography and filmmaking under Jerome Liebling, who I had never heard of. I've never uh, heard of him either, but his photographs are beautiful. Yeah. And so I said, you know what? Let's let's bring up a guy that I hadn't heard of that maybe some of you had heard of. Uh, that and he, second link, man. The first photo in that second link of the woman in the in the white coat. What a beautiful shot. Wait, are we talking about the... Uh, the, the New York oh, Times the New York piece? Times one. Oh, God, yeah. What? Yeah. Stunning. Stunning yeah, picture. I, it's funny that you say that because I had the same exact... Uh, reaction to it when I when mm. I was looking at it earlier. In mm. fact, that's mm. why I put that particular article in there. Um, he's he's definitely he's like one of those guys who he, he was eighty two years old. I think he died a few years ago. But he's eighty two years old. He fought in World War Two. Uh, he went on. He was like airborne in World War Two. Fought a wow. whole bunch, but came back. He signed up because he believed in the war. By the time he came back, he became a staunch uh, anti war guy for the rest of his life hmm. um ended up teaching at hampshire college for decades and apparently had an influence on an entire generation of nonfiction filmmakers uh uh he said uh, ken burns said that you know he he went to hampshire to to make movies and he met liebling and that's what pushed him into documentary stuff oh so, no kidding Wow. Yeah. So this guy is a, a serious heavy who made a number of movie who made a number of movies in his own right, which I've never seen, which I need to do some research and look up because uh, I'm sure that they're fascinating. Uh, hmm. But uh, used to apparently walked around with his little Rolleiflex twin lens, shooting everything he could find, and even in the even on his even on drone dromeliebling dot com, you know, just the the mix of photos from you know the young. Uh, african-american guy over a kid on the right you know a little kid in his like dirty jacket right up up through like the disco girls on the cover of new york magazine to the women with the with the furs i mean this guy was it was it seemed like the it seemed like he was ever present over decades you know hmm. and i i like the idea of somebody who saw so much over the years um, if you go into the uh, the dromeliebling.com slash photos, if you go to the photo section, I mean, just some beautiful pictures of, I mean, again, kids, wow. look at the second one. It's a it's terrible, tiny one, but there's bigger versions of it if you just do a search for his name on Google Images of the people sitting around the, uh, the uh, uh, um, uh, statue looking thing did you, did you see oh, that yeah. one yeah 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 oh yeah that is tiny wow okay so but but if you go if you go to yeah if you go to uh uh google images and just type in jerome liebling you'll you'll see it uh you know it's a bunch of people sitting uh, around the bottom of this i guess what would you call that a relief looks like like a freeze yeah i guess that's yeah. the word um but just you know it because it's black and white and because people in that time were dressed so well there's sort wow. of this melding between the people behind them and the people sitting there watching, you know? Um, and it goes all the way from the 1940s and thirties all the way up until the two thousands, you know, uh, there's the, there's a great portrait of a, like a young black man looks like in the South Bronx or something like that. And he's a, he was like a, he grew up in, in Harlem too. So, you know, he knew, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, wow. I like the idea of these guys who, 
who'd been around for years. He, from what I understand, he, he had a bunch of, uh, Guggenheim fellowships, um, two Guggenheim fellowships, a national endowment for the arts photographic survey grant fellowship from the Massachusetts council on the arts, the stuff's at MoMA, Boston museum, uh, Corcoran Jewish museum, you know, I mean, this guy's serious wow. heavy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, go take a look, uh, equally good in some ways, color and black and white, which is, is while not rare is nice to see, you know, so, right. Uh, and still works, you know? So Jerome, yeah. Lublin, wow. Photographer of the week. Really good. Yeah. Uh, some of the stuff's really beautiful and kind of all over the place. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, he's taking portraits of people on the street, but he's also taking the pictures of, you know, uh, the, the, the back taillights of cars and buildings in the distance and, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Um, this is really terrific work. Hmm. That's, that's uh, funny that, that not, I mean, usually you will have heard of, of folks even f- far more than I have. You, you know, you've been doing the, the research and, you know, this is great. Yeah. So somebody different. Uh, so go check them out. Jerome Liebling. Uh, yeah. It's funny. Well, I, I also like the idea that even as as a filmmaker and a photographer himself, sure, he is arguably as well known as a social minded guy who also changed the lives of his students mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he himself was this great teacher, which is a really beautiful idea too. Um, that that he lives on through the people that he inspired to you know, make the war. And if you haven't seen Ken Burns, the war documentary about world war two, you really should just take the next six days and watch it because it's amazing. (laughs) Uh, this terrific part in this article, the the essential DNA of all of my films issues from still photographies, Mr. Burns said, but Mr. Liebling's influence on his work, he said, reached much deeper to a personal and ultimately philosophical level that has guided many of his choices of subject and approach. Quote, it was this broadly humanistic mantra that he instilled in us, end quote. He said, adding, Jerry turned me and made me look inward, and it was not always a comfortable thing. I changed as a result of it. It was like molting. He also taught, Mr. Burns said, that all meaning accrues in duration. Sometimes you have to just slow down and look. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, I like I like the idea that meaning accrues in duration, almost mm-hmm. like snow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess maybe that maybe that's the wrap up of our conversation earlier about good and great. Maybe that that, yeah. that, that great stuff is good stuff that has accumulated, like you know, the good has accumulated so much on on an object that it becomes great. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. There's something to that where it's it's the depth of meaning. Yeah. For a longer period of time. Yeah. It means something for a longer period. Yeah. You know, right. uh, and then you could argue that with music. You could argue that with books that, you know, how much of popular music right now is going to be still around in 30, 40, 50 years. Yep. You know, but we're still listening to. Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Blind Willie Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, good stuff. Civic duty. So if you listen to this today, you live in America, go vote. Yeah, go vote. Uh, and, and, and you know what? If, if people are there voting for who you're not voting for, don't give them a hard time. No. That's a, Say that's thanks a, for coming out and voting. Let's go a, have a cup of coffee. That's not a good move. That's I'll not buy a you a donut. Ro- oh. 
Yeah. You and I, it's surprising that you and I aren't fatter than we are. <laughs> you ever thought about that? Well, you know, it's just the way it works. Uh, how do people get a hold of us? Uh, 347-687-9411 podcast. Or the Dunkin' Donuts on the corner of Reedy and Georgia. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'll be there all afternoon. Uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. You can send us an email or you can uh, find us at Bill Wadman at Jeffrey Sidoris on Instagrams and Twitters. And um, uh, phone number. Uh, what's it? Three four seven six eight seven nine four one one. Three four seven six eight seven ninety four eleven. That's you know you said that just like a nineteen eighties tele ad. You know? Did I? Yeah. You can get this deal only for the next hour. You just call one eight hundred four four seven seventy seventeen. That's one right. eight hundred. That's three four seven six eight seven ninety four eleven. All right. Well, got anything else? Uh, I'm gonna go watch that snake. No, I'm not gonna go watch that snake and lizard thing. Yeah, guys, uh, guys and girls, go watch the the snake. You know, man, what a chase! I can't now. I want to watch uh, Planet Earth two. Is it even out yet? I don't know if it's out yet. Ah, uh, it has to be out now. I, I can't know. keep track of those things. That first one was fantastic. Yeah, no, they are fantastic. I, I get. I want to know how they film. I love watching the behind the scenes to see how they get the shots. Yeah, I get a little exhausted by them, but I should try to get over it. I think they just shoot 400 million hours and wait for something <laughs> interesting to happen. <laughs> Seriously, they just have cameras on every rock in the Galapagos, you know? Right. And just let's see what happens. <laughs> Go camera 42. Go camera 60. Yeah, pretty much, right? Back to 38. Uh, yeah. It's like the Truman Show. They just, they just have cameras everywhere. Ed Harris is directing. That's right. Uh, by the way, uh, apparently just a real-time follow-up here. Uh, there's that face-aware liquify that has been improved in this version. So it knows where the eyes and nose and everything are, and you can tell it to make the eyes bigger and smaller and whatever it is by hand, you know, automatic, oh, automatically. Good. For all the uh, people yeah. using Photoshop for anime, they'll be and, stoked. And there's a new select and mask workspace that apparently helps you cut things out easier, better. Blah, blah, blah. So I guess that maybe is improving, which is useful, but the rest of it is open type SVG fonts, a comprehensive search engine, and being able to jumpstart your creative projects with basically, you know. Adobe stock images. Exactly. Crap. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> Crap. Uh, anyway, uh, let's go uh, obsess about the election some more. How about that? Right. Refresh, refresh, refresh. We'll see you next week, everyone. Thank right. you for listening. See you. Going on and on the way we are for so long. Too many fools, it's plain to see something.
this way Say what you wanna say I know what you will say Will leave me out I 